We put our trust in him alone because Jesus is the one who's worthy of our trust. He's proven himself time and time again to be faithful. And one of the ways that he's faithful is he brings unity, even when unity is so difficult, even in a world that's often not united, Jesus calls us, the body of Christ, to be united by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that some more this morning. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills, and I'm just so honored to get to share God's Word with you here today. Uh, whether you're joining us online or whether you're joining us here in this place, it's just awesome to get to be with you once again. We're in the book of Ephesians, and it's written by a guy named Paul. And Paul is really good at giving, uh, he gives us kind of like the theology uh, the, behind everything, but he also gives us the practical steps of how we live these things out. And so chapter four, where we're at today, gives a whole lot of practical steps. And we're calling this message uh, an owner's manual for the church. There's so much practical stuff there that honestly, I can't get to most of it today because there's like a whole bunch of sermons in this chapter, but I'm just going to preach one of them, I promise, because that will help to get us out on time. Uh, but you should check it out later today. There's a whole lot of really good stuff there. And the section we're talking about today is all about unity, unity in the church. And he's going to talk to us about how we can accomplish that. So Paul starts off chapter 4, verse 1. He says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another together in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I like that. Make every effort. Like he knows it's going to be hard, right? Why do we need to make every effort to keep this unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace? Why do we need to make all these efforts? Because we're people, right? And people, we tend to annoy each other sometimes, amen? It happens, right? I've been here eh, five weeks or so, right? Have I started annoying you yet? If not, don't worry. I'll find a way. I mean, I'm creative, I'm hardworking, I'm going to find a way. It's possible, right? Because that's what we do as people. We get on each other's nerves sometimes. It's okay. And so Paul calls us to this unity. He describes himself as a prisoner for the Lord. And that was like a literal truth for Paul, is that he was literally in prison at the time. He was in Rome. Uh, he was under house arrest. He was awaiting trial uh, by this evil tyrant. He was this violent guy named Nero. And ultimately, this would be the, be the end of Paul's life. So he's in a really difficult place. He's in a place that's different than what many of us know today. In fact, I don't think any of us are under threat for our lives in being a follower of Jesus. We don't know what that danger is like, even though we have sisters and brothers around the world who live in that as their daily reality today as Christians. We, we have a different kind of danger. It's not a, a physical, violent kind of danger. No, it's a, a spiritual danger called apathy. You know, it's where we just kind of get cozy and, and comfortable in our faith, and we stop really challenging ourselves to follow God's word and follow God's ways. It's this kind of like, meh, Christianity, you know, like, I know I should read my Bible, I got other things to do, you know, I know God calls me to give, but that's hard, you know, I, I don't know, I mean, let, let somebody else take care of that stuff. I know that I should serve, but 
there's a lot of people around this church. Somebody else will do it, right? Surely somebody will go to that red tower out there and sign up and serve. That'll be fine. We easily fall into that kind of stuff. But God calls us to a faith that is much higher, much deeper than that. The great theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer was talking about Christianity. And he talked about the cross, how it's not like the end of the Christian faith. No, it's the beginning of the Christian faith. That when we come to Jesus, he says this, when Christ calls a person, Christ calls that person to come and die. Come and die. Now that's, that's a hard statement, right? I mean, what, what if we modified our, our branding a little bit on the church sign out here to kind of reflect that? What would it look like? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that would really pass the marketing folks. I'm not sure. It, at least would, it would reach a different kind of crowd, right? I don't know. It, come and die. That's hardcore, you know? That, that, that really is. It's like, I don't know if I want to do that. I, I like, I'd come and live. That sounds a whole lot better, right? But when Christ calls us to come to himself, he calls us to come and to die to ourselves. Not, not a physical death, but a spiritual dying to the old me and, and rising to new life in Jesus Christ. When we live a life that's worthy of our calling, well, here's how it works out. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I'm reading it again because it's hard. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So this unity, you see, it's not just a, an interpersonal practical thing. That's part of it. It's also a gift from God. It's a gift of the Spirit. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit. So it's both and. We get this power from God to be unified in this way, but we still have responsibility in how we live things out. So we as followers of Jesus, we're unified under something different than the rest of the world. You know, as Cincinnatians, we, we get unified under a variety of great things, right? Maybe we're unified in our love for, for the Reds or for, for the Bengals, right? Or Skyline Chili, right? But consistently, two of the three of those give us a lot of heartburn, right? And I'm not talking about Skyline. It never lets me down, you know? But, but seriously, we can be united around all sorts of things, and that's great. Sports, foods, all that, that's fun. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have a unifying power that's much deeper than just, just shared things that we like. No, we have the power of the Holy Spirit, and we have the call of God that calls us to be unified. It's not an option, okay? It's not an option for us to say, oh, I, I, don't, really, I don't really buy into this unity stuff, right? Like, I just, I just want to just do it all my own way, forget everybody else. I want to be a Lone Ranger Christian. Not an option. The Bible doesn't give us that as a possibility. God calls us to community with one another. He calls us to unity by, in the Spirit. These are things that he calls us to, to be these kind of people. So I want to talk about a few ways that we can build unity, just a few practical steps. And the first one is this, believe the best in the other person. Now this sounds simple, but it's tough. It's kind of countercultural because we tend to believe the best about ourselves, right? And the worst about others. Well, oftentimes all when we look at others, we just assume they don't like me. They don't like me. They don't they don't understand me. They don't get it. 
what, what if we believed the best about others? If we made that our starting position? He calls us to be humble and to be gentle. And if I'm going to be humble, then I should approach our relationship believing the best about you, not believing the worst. And, and we have this God-given responsibility. And you know, here's the deal. If you choose to believe the worst about others, I promise you, you will find it. <laughs> you will find it. If you, tend to, if you choose to have a critical spirit in the way that you look at everybody around you, if you look at everybody who walks in here with kind of a judgmental attitude, you'll find plenty of things to be all judgy about, right? Somebody, they, they raise their hands and, oh, they're all too like showy stuff, right? You know, or somebody else, they're all just standing here, right? They probably don't even love Jesus. They're, they're just, you know, like, and you'll find all sorts of ways you can judge others. And it's nonsense. It's not what we're called to do. He calls us to this unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So I choose to believe the best in the, about others. Now, hear me. I, I'm not talking about being naive. I know that others are not perfect, and, and we've got to be ba based by, on facts. I'm, I'm not saying that we don't, but, but we are called to make our starting position to believe the best about others. And when bad stuff happens, okay, let's deal with that. But let's be people of, of love and grace as well. I was talking to somebody a while back. The person was in the midst of a conflict, not, not to do with Anderson Hills, not somebody here. And, and this person was talking about all their, their frustrations with the other side, right? And I was pretty familiar with the situation. And, and I was aware that as this person was sharing all his frustrations, that, that they were all factually just inaccurate. I don't mean like opinions or whatever, just factually inaccurate. And I said, well, what about did you consider this did you consider that? And with every single one of them, instead of saying, hmm, I didn't know that. I should, let me think about that. Instead, his response was, well, that's not my perception. And perception is reality. Seems kind of immature, doesn't it? I mean, don't you and I have a responsibility for our perceptions? And as followers of Jesus, I have a responsibility to you to believe the best to believe that maybe, just maybe, God's working in you. Maybe I could learn something from you. Maybe the power of the Holy Spirit's working in and through you. And if there's, okay, if there's factual stuff that's problematic, we'll, we'll deal with that. I'm not talking about conflict avoidance. We, we sometimes, we need to have conflict. But let's make this the starting place in all of this. But Paul's going to take it to a higher level than just this. That's a good place to start. Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Now, this is huge, okay? It's saying that our call to unity, it's bigger than just me or you. It's bigger than our church even. It's a call that comes from God. It's like the church universal. Remember in the garden when Jesus prayed as he was about to give his life, he prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. That's tough, right? So we have this mission here at Anderson Hills. It's up here on the screen. Let's read it together. We exist to glorify God and produce fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ who transform the world. That's why we are here. 
And if that looks vaguely familiar, it's because we didn't really write it ourselves. We got it from Jesus, okay? It's kind of his idea, right? Like we don't get to write the mission statement ourselves. It's Jesus' idea. We're here to make disciples of Jesus Christ, who, to make fully devoted followers who transform the world, okay? So we glorify God, we praise God, and, and we, we grow in our faith, making fully devoted followers who go out and transform this world for Jesus Christ. So that tells us, number two, we put the mission above your personal preferences. Now, we all have preferences. I have them, you have them, right? You know, and there's nothing wrong with preferences. The problem becomes when I start to put my preferences first, you know, and I start, I want to make church just the thing that follows my preferences. And so instead of evaluating everything based on the mission and is this effective at reaching people, I instead base it on my personal preference. Do I like it? Do I not like it? How does it feel to me? And, and there's a natural thing there for all of us as humans. And so we've got a responsibility to keep this, this mission in mind. I'll give me an example. Sometimes putting the mission first can get a little messy. Sometimes it can be challenging. The church I came from, Stillwater, we had this ministry, it was called Special Friends, and it was a ministry that reached out uh, to children uh, who have special needs, who are differently abled than the rest of us. It was so important because we realized that in our community that this was a, there was a whole bunch of folks with this situation in, in their lives, and the church wasn't doing a great job in our area of, of reaching out to folks in that position. And and we believe that Jesus was calling us to it, that it was an essential part of our mission. But let me tell you, it was messy at times, right? I mean, the, we, had, we had a time where I remember we had a guest speaker, and one of the kids got loose from their buddy in, in Sunday school, and this kid was super fast, and like ran down the hall and ran right up on stage. And the guest speaker's like, oh, okay, wasn't really planning on this, right? But here we go. Or, and, and, and it was messy sometimes. Or, couple times the fire alarm got pulled at very inopportune times, you know. Or one time, we had this uh, indoor playland there, right? And it had this, this slide, here was a tube. So if you're at the top of the slide, like, you're like in an enclosed area. We can't see you, right? And one of, the, one of our special friends was up there. And uh, he was supposed to be coming down the slide, but it was not coming down the slide. And his buddy was at the bottom of the slide kind of coaxing him, like, hey, come on down, right? It's all right, come on down. And, and then we heard this, like, clunking sound with the slide, and, and, and lo and behold, his, his shoes came clunking down the slide, right? Followed by his pants. <laughs> Followed by his underpants. Followed by a loud screeching sound of a bare bottom against a slide. You know that sound? And thankfully, it takes a while of that screeching that our, our teachers who were always on it, they were able to get the other children out of the area <laughs> before this butt-naked kid comes sliding down the slide, right? And listen, I'm not mocking anybody. It's par, it's par for the course, right? Like, it happens sometimes. And what I love about it is that in all these things, there was never one time where somebody came to me and said, or the board or whoever, and said, hey, Pastor John, we got to shut this thing down. It just, it's too messy. You know, uh, too much noise, too much distraction, too much like when I come here to worship Jesus, I just, I, I just, I don't need that stuff. No. It was exactly the opposite. 
and we would have sign-ups for this ministry, we'd have to turn it off because too many people would sign up for the events, right? Like they were so inspired by this. And, and yeah, it, it was messy. It was messy, but we knew that this was our calling. And, and we had families who came, and it broke my heart because we had a few of them who came and said, we were asked to leave our church. That's why we're here. The church leadership told us there was no space for us. That's not an option. That's not an option. The mission doesn't allow for it. And the mission trumps preference every single time. It trumps my preferences, your preferences, everybody's preferences. Because we're here for the mission. That's why we're here. We're here because we're called by God. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we put that mission first. God made us differently. And we thank God for that. That's why he says, verse verse 7, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is awesome. Christ equips us all differently, differently. And so because of that, we're called, number three, to seek unity, not uniformity. Okay, these words sound different, but they uh, sound similar, but they are very different. Unity means that we are united in this mission, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we follow God's guidance, that we, that we seek the power of the Spirit to, to lead us, to guide us, that, that we reach out to the community because God calls us to do this, that we put our mission first because we know this is exactly who we're called to be. That's unity. That's the unity we're called to. And I choose to see the best in you, not the worst, because that's what I'm called to do. Uniformity, very different. Uniformity says, I want to go to a church where everybody is pretty much like me, right? They're like, they look like me, or they, they vote like me, or they think like me, or they act like me on everything, you know? And, and there are churches that seek uniformity. We're not that. The mission doesn't allow it, okay? We're, we're not going to be that way. We're not called to all think, act, look the same. No, we're, we're called to, to, to reach all people for Jesus Christ. It's why we're here. So we choose to seek unity, not uniformity. This is, this is a little counter, countercultural, you know? Because in our world today, when we disagree with people, we tend to want to just kind of silence them, right? Or cancel, right? You know, say like, you disagree with me, so I'm just going to cancel you. It's not really an option for followers of Jesus. And hear me, I'm not saying that we endorse beliefs that that we know to be against Scripture. I'm not saying that. But we can disagree, and we can disagree in love. We're called to do so. And even when I disagree with you, even when you disagree with me, I think we should have this belief that we need each other, that we need a relationship with one another, that God has called us and that God equips us to do this even in the midst of our differences, that God calls us to that, to seek unity, not uniformity. So he gives us this kind of 
five fivefold uh, uh, responsibilities of leaders in the church, and that's a bunch of sermons in and of itself. But beyond just those roles in leadership, they talks about apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. That that beyond these things, that we're also given spiritual gifts. Each of us, every single one of us. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have spiritual gifts that God has given you. On top of that, you've got talents and you've got you've got unique strengths and all this kind of stuff. In fact, in our, in our growth track, we just started this morning at 9.30. It's a great class that teaches you all about your spiritual gifts. If you haven't taken it, you should take it someday soon because we would love for you to learn about this stuff. Because the amazing thing is that God has given us all gifts. He's given us unique gifts and, and called us to follow Him. And as we do that together as a church, God uses us in ways that we could never, never begin to do on our own. Because the power of all of us coming together to use these gifts is amazing. You, know, you are such an important part of this church. You are. And you might be like, nah, you, you don't really know. I, I'm really not. Not true. God brought you here for a reason. It's not an accident that you're here at this place. Maybe, maybe you're brand new here. Thank God, I'm pretty new myself. We'll, we'll get to know it together, right? Or maybe, maybe you've been here for decades. Or maybe you've been here for a while, but, but this, you're just coming back after this past year, and, it's, and it's, it's just different, right? And it's trying to get used to all these things, right? And, and listen, God wants to use every single one of us to build his kingdom, we, we've, got the, we've got the red tower out there in, in the lobby today, and uh, Pam's out there, and she would love to talk with you about how God can use you and your gifts and your talents and your call to build God's kingdom. Because, you know, some of just the most incredible ministries we have, they, they begin because God works in somebody's life, and God, God speaks to them and calls them, and they say yes, and, it, and a ministry's birthed out of that. We, one of, uh, I want to show you, show you the story of... Uh, Mary and Tom, they have a great ministry uh, that's uh, where they use their musical gifts to reach people for Jesus Christ. Let's check this out together. I'm uh, Jonathan Coleman, one of the pastors at Anderson Hills United Methodist Church. I want to welcome you to Faith and Friends on Tap. We've known Jonathan for quite a while, and uh, he came to us one day and, and said he had this idea that he wanted to do religious services at a brewery. And, and Mary and I have always been fans of, of the craft brewing scene and really just kind of immediately got what he was trying to accomplish and, and loved the idea. And uh, he wanted us to help him with the music. So with Faith and Friends, uh, we have preachers who have amazing spiritual gifts of verbal communication. We have greeters who have amazing gifts of hospitality, prayer partners who have the gift of prayer. We feel that when we use our gift of music, uh, that as a team, then we can all deliver the fruit. I think using my spiritual gift of music I believe that we have served as conduit for people to have moments where they feel closer to God. We can, we can really see the results sometimes of the, of the offerings of, of, our, of our gifts. 
and uh, sometimes that response is in tears. We see that it's the Holy Spirit using us to flow through others as they respond to music, and, and some people you can tell that just really touches them. You are holy, Wow, praise God. Isn't that awesome? That when we give ourselves to the Lord, when we say, God, here I am, my, my gifts, my talents, my limitations, all this stuff, would you just, would you take me and would you use me? God does amazing, amazing things. And, and it builds the church as well. It builds the, the big C church globally and it builds our church right here at Anderson Hills. And maybe for some of us, God's speaking this morning and calling you. Maybe you just kind of feel that, that nudge of the Holy Spirit or perhaps the elbow of your neighbor who's in your family. I don't know, whatever it is you're feeling. Maybe someone's, or someone is just saying, what if you step forward? What if you took a little bit of a risk? Stop by that tower, sign up for something. There's so many great things, but... I want to share one. One of the questions I get asked as as a new guy is people sometimes say like, "What like what concerns do you have?" And I'll say I don't really have very many. I must say coming in, but I'll tell you my number one right now, and it's this: coming back from from COVID is a challenge for every church, right? It is, and uh, we're we're not immune to that. Um, but God is doing amazing things in and through it. But the the area that we've had the greatest challenge, honestly, is is children's ministry. Because we have an awesome children's ministry, and it also takes a lot of people to run an awesome children's ministry. Uh, and, and so we're, we're, we have it at 11 o'clock, but not yet at 9.30. And church, we gotta, we got to stop that. Like, like we got to have this back at both services ASAP. Like, this is extremely important because our children are so essential to us. We know this, right? And maybe God's calling you to step forward and to serve in children's ministry. We can get this thing back opened up fully. Maybe you used to serve and God's calling you to come back. Or maybe you've never served and, and you say, yeah, you know what? I saw that video earlier in service and, and I would love to step forward and do that. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I hate children. <laughs> okay, don't sign up. I mean that. Ask God, how would you have me to serve elsewhere then? Because we really don't want people who hate children in our children's ministry. But seriously, God's given us all gifts and graces, and we all have some limitations of our own doing too. But, but where is God calling you to serve, to step forward? Because God calls us to do that, and he wants to use us in, in such powerful ways. Now, as one more thing, as we look to build unity, and this one really isn't inherently there in Ephesians. It's actually more from what Jesus says in Matthew 18 about how we handle problems, but I think it's so important, and that is this. We run to the problem, okay? If there's a problem, if there's a disunity, because it'll happen when things get broken, when things aren't working right, oftentimes the default setting for us is to, to kind of be wussy, right? And instead of actually addressing that and lovingly running to the problem, instead we gossip about the problem, right? We talk to everybody else except the one person we should go and talk with and try to make amends or try to, to repair this relationship or whatever it is. And Satan loves that stuff. It, it, it can tear down the church that our greatest threat is often from within, not from outside, you know? 
And he calls us to be unity, unified, and that means that we've got to run to the problem. We've got to have the courage to deal with problems when they exist, right? I mean, we don't, we, so we choose to avoid the gossip route and all that kind of stuff because we know that we are called to run to the problem. Because here's the deal. If you don't run to the problem, I promise you, the problem will eventually run to you. And it will be a lot less pleasant than if you just addressed it in, in love and in courage. 